0: Open up to Psalm 150 this morning. We're going to get there in a little bit. Oh, I hate when I do this. I didn't turn my my deal on. Oh, there we go. Uh, Are you encouraged by worship and what God's doing? Open up to Psalm 150, something to take notes with. If your neighbor doesn't have something, give them the church elbow. (laughs) A couple weeks ago, I uh, preached a message called War and Worship. Was anybody here for that? People. at people. Uh, we talked about David, who is kind of a, a big character in the Bible. And he, he's sort of a big name, if you know anything about the Bible. He was, a, he was a major king of Israel, who's the people of God. He was an incredible warrior. He was a general. He built that nation. He did so many incredible things. He was a phenomenal leader. He had his downfalls, but we all do. But he was a, overall just a, a great man of God for the kingdom of God. And, but not only was he a warrior, not only was he a leader, but he was also a fantastic musician, and he wrote a whole bunch of songs and poems, and he wrote most of what we have today as the book of Psalms, a bunch of poems that he wrote through his life, through his journey of becoming king, being king, being a man of God, the ups and downs in life, just songs and poems he wrote to express himself to God, and when you look at David, when you look at his life, you see that so much of his calling, when you look at the whole journey of his life, his calling was to be the king. It was to be the king of Israel, and so much of this calling to be a king had to do with being a man of war. He was a general. He was a leader. Like we said, he, he did so many things to, to advance the, the, the people of God in that day. But also, if you look at his life, his calling was to be a king, and that required him to be a man of war. But what prepared him for his calling and what kept him in his calling was his worship. It was that he was a man of worship, because like I said, he had his ups and he had his downs, but what prepared him for what God called him to was his worship, and what kept him in what God called him to, even when he messed it up, it was his worship, and David is kind of a prophetic picture of us as Jesus' followers today, that we are called to war, not in the sense that we fight against people. The the Bible makes it very clear. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. We're here to fight for people. Our calling is to to, to fight to advance the kingdom of God in our life and in people's lives, which means we are pushing back against the things that would would push back against the things of God, the things that would bind us, the things that would distract us, the things that would take us away and take our attention from what God is calling us to. We are called to war, to establish this kingdom. But just like David, if we want to do that calling, if we want to stay in that calling for the long haul, we've got to be people of worship. We've got to learn how to worship. There is a war over our worship every single day of our lives. Our dreams, our desires, our attentions, they're being pulled in so many different ways and away from God into so many different things. And we've got to win the war over our worship if we want to be people who live out our calling. Amen. War and worship. I told you after that message at the very end that uh, maybe in a couple of weeks I would preach part two of it because uh, I, I kind of got a few messages that week. We could only do one because we only had so much time. We could have gone to one or two, but I didn't know if you were down for that because we didn't have any lunch. So we just did one that day. And as a, as a team, when we were talking about kind of what, where God was leading us next and, and, and what he wanted to share with us as a church, we thought, why just preach part two of the message when we can make it a whole series? So, we're going to start a series this morning over the next couple of weeks called War and Worship. And I want to preach a message to you this morning called Instruments of War. Instruments of War. Go ahead and write that at the top of your notes this morning. War and worship. Somebody say, War and worship. worship. I want to preach a message this morning called Instruments of War. I don't know if this is part one of the series or part two of this message, and I don't know how it works, but y'all can figure that out. When it comes to our spiritual lives, War and worship are not two separate things. War and worship are not two separate things. War doesn't just happen in the trenches of life, and worship doesn't just happen with a band on Sunday mornings. Your worship is how you go to war. As a man of God, as a woman of God, your worship is how you go to war. It's the war against unbelief. Christian just basically preached this whole message just a second ago. Worship is how you go to war against unbelief. It's how you go to war against apathy. It's how you go to war against hopelessness. It's how you go to war against anxiety. It's how you go to war against your selfishness, against anger, against greed. Anything in your life that's trying to take your attention away from God is something that you conquer with your worship. Worship is how you go to war. If you've ever read through the book of Psalms, Um, If you haven't ever read through the book of Psalms, I want to encourage you to do that because I think that you're going to be very encouraged as you read through the book of Psalms. You're going to be uh, at different times. You're going to be confused. Uh, You're going to probably have some moments that you're excited. You're probably going to have some moments that you're not very excited. You're probably going to get some answers to some questions. You're probably going to get some new questions. And the reason that that's encouraging is because that sounds a whole lot like life. I don't know if you've heard that. I don't know if you've experienced that life kind of seems to be a lot like that, and I'm thankful that the book of Psalms that serves for us as a tutor for us of what worship is and how we worship, it it serves as a tutor for us. I'm glad it doesn't read like a campfire in Kumbaya because life isn't usually a campfire in Kumbaya. I don't know if you've noticed. Anybody else not living all the time campfire and Kumbaya? So I'm thankful that God's in my real life. I'm thankful that God has something to speak to your real Monday, your real Wednesday, your real motherhood, your real fatherhood, your real business ownership. God's got something to say for real this morning. I'm glad Jesus is alive and he knows what your real life looks like. So David documents how he navigates his life. He's got a long journey. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. You could go back and find it. It'll be easy to find. It's called War and worship. <laughs> You're smart. <laughs> David has this long journey of life. He's, he's seen. He's forgotten. He's in the palace. He's in caves. He is triumphant. He's, he's uh, being hunted by his best friend's dad. There's all kinds of stuff going on. It's a wild ride. And Psalms for us serves as a, nav- as a, as a, um, a map as he navigates the emotions of life, the situations of life, and how he worships in the middle of all of it. And I want to read Psalm 150 because this is the last psalm in the Bible. I'm going to be honest, I don't know if it was the last one written, so I don't know if it's like the last thing. But the book of Psalms concludes with David's psalm here in 150 as we have it. And he says this, and I think it's an amazing ending to this book of Psalms. It says this, praise the Lord after all that. Praise the Lord. There were some good times. Praise the Lord. There were some bad times. Praise the Lord. After all that. Somebody say, after all that. After all that. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with the sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And if you didn't know yet, praise the Lord. I wish somebody would praise the Lord in church this morning. It's a tambourine psalm, so you know it's a good one. Somebody... There's a word in here in Psalm 150 uh, that you probably picked up. It gets said a couple of times here in Psalm 150. And as you read through the book of Psalms, you'll see it about half a million more times, I think, about according to my count this week. That was a joke. Okay. <laughs> Tough crowd here, guys. Ann Arbor. I need your <laughs> laugh track. There's a word here. It's used a lot. It's the word praise. Did anybody see the word praise a couple of times? It's used a lot through the book of Psalms, and we pretty much have one word in the English language for this word praise. It, it can kind of be interchangeable with worship, uh, but, but again, those are interchangeable. They kind of mean the same thing, like you can just kind of use one in place of the other. But as you read through Psalms, that there's actually at least seven different words in the Hebrew language, what the Psalms were written in, uh, that, uh, that, are, that we translate to the one English word praise. There's at least seven different ones, and sometimes there's, there's phrases in here that don't even say the word praise. They're actually talking about an ex- a specific expression, and they use one of these Hebrew words for praise, and we don't even translate it praise. So there's this, there's, what I'm trying to say is that there's these dynamics in the, the book of Psalms about worship, about praise, that we can dig into in the original language. So what I want to do is I want to give you a little bit of a Hebrew lesson this morning. I am no scholar. I just know how to go to blueletterbible.com. So you real Hebrew folks, don't bash me for my bad pronunciation. I didn't go to school for that. Are we going to be all right? And if you laugh at me, I'll make us all say them one after another. So then we'll just laugh at each other. But I want to give you a little bit of a Hebrew lesson. But I want you to think this morning as, as we're sitting here, uh, as our setting, a lot less like a classroom and a lot more like a barracks. Because I don't want to give you an educational language lesson on Hebrew. I want to give you a battlefield equipping about your seven weapons of praise. The first word that I want to tell you about, your first weapon of praise, somebody say, I've got a weapon, is the word halal. Halal. It's funny if you walk and say, halal. They're going to be up on here with some definitions. I want you to write them down. Halal is the word used in Psalm 150. Every time you see the word praise, this is what the original language says, halal. And what this word means, it means to be clear, to shine, to boast, to rave, to celebrate. And what we have up there, to be clamorously fooled. Do you know that one of your greatest weapons of warfare in your spiritual life is your clamorously foolish declaration of how good God is? Unhinged praise to God for who he is and what he's done in your life. Unhinged praise and raving for the promises of God. Something shakes the chains loose when you realize they're already loose and you just rave about it. Sometimes you got to do with your body what you're reminding your heart about that I got set free in the name of Jesus. And it's time to halal and not care what anybody thinks about and just rave and celebrate and be crazy and make a shout of praise to the Lord. He says, be clamorously foolish before the Lord. Praise the Lord. When I look back on my life, I just need to rave because God has been good. God has been good. If you spent much time in church, you know that uh, us church people can get upset with each other about little things that don't matter. <laughs> Somebody said, mm-hmm. <laughs> and one of these things can be worship. Mm-hmm. We've got all these things we call like preferences and stuff, and then we build theologies around them, right? And then we get mad at each other, and oh, yeah, it's not good. It's not good, and one of the things that we can get really upset with each other about, we just get confused about, and, and I know it happens here at our church because I think for a lot of people in a lot of churches experience, like, the way, uh, like, what we just did in worship was a little bit more clamorously foolish than you're used to. It's not full-on clamorously foolish. I mean, we could... <laughs> <laughs> But it's a little more than maybe, than maybe a lot of people have experienced. It's not, it's not how I grew up, you know. So, so people ask, you know, what, what I'm trying to say is we get caught up on the emotions. You know, we, we're like, hey, I don't want to just worship emotionally, right? Like, and that's great. So emotions can get a really bad reputation in church and especially in worship. And we hold back sometimes because we want to make sure that we're not just being emotional. Because if something's emotional, then it's not real or it's not legit or it wasn't God or it wasn't authentic, I mean, hey, I've I've thought, it like, this isn't a rebuke, I'm just saying, I'm just calling it like it is, at least for, I think, at least some of us. Give me three people who know what I'm talking about, okay. We hold back because we we want it to be authentic. We're like, I don't want to fake anything, you know? But I just want to say, you know, like, emotions are part of being human. God gave them to you, so you don't have to hate them. Don't necessarily follow them all the time, but you don't have to hate them. And uh, God put them in there. And and so what I'm trying to say is don't let your emotions or your fear of being emotional let you hold back from God. Because worshiping with your emotions is great. Worshiping your emotions is not great. Two very different things. Emotions can't be the foundation of your praise, but they can be the expression of your praise. You don't have to live your life pointing your worship in the direction of your emotions. Because when you don't feel it, It's okay. You can still worship. And when you raise your hands, even when you don't feel it, it doesn't make it fake. It just means you're pointing your emotions in the direction of your praise. Don't be scared. Let it out. Halal basically means do not hold back. Praise him like praise is a weapon. Praise him like praise is a weapon. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him in his sanctuary. Trumpets, lyres, harps, lutes, flutes, and planes, trains, and automobiles. (laughs) Praise God. Praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Halal. (laughs) Confess before God that he is the victor over your life. Go to war with your praise. Your next weapon is a word I think is pronounced yada, similar to Yoda, but, but different. Vastly different. Yada, it means to throw, to cast, to thank. Psalm 18 says this. It says, the Lord lives and blessed be my rock and exalted be the God of my salvation, the God who gave me vengeance and subdues peoples under me, who delivered me from my enemies. Yes, you exalted me above those who rose against me. You rescued me from the man of violence. For this I will praise you. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. For this I will throw, I will cast, I will thank you, Lord. I will thank you. Throwing thanks at God is a weapon against everything life throws at you. Depression, discouragement, anxiety, condemnation, hopelessness, bitterness, offense. All these things life is throwing at you, you can fight it when you throw your thanks at God. All these things are trying to sink you. They're trying to bind you. They're trying to curl you up in a ball and and immobilize you and paralyze you and and freeze your worship and freeze your calling and freeze your potential and rob your joy. These things are throwing themselves at you. And sometimes in the middle of something, you've got to remember that you've been there before and God was faithful. Those whole first few verses, David saying, I'm just remembering that time. There were some people coming against me. There were some things coming against me. There were some enemies. There were some situations. I didn't know where my help was going to come from. I didn't know if help was going to come, but you did, and I will praise you. And sometimes in the middle of something, you got to remember the last time. you got to remember the last time God was faithful. And sometimes you're in something deeper than you were last time, but God showed up last time, and he's put you deeper. He's let you go a little deeper this time because he's telling you he's a little more faithful than you even thought. It's time to throw some thanks at God. Praise the Lord. You got to fight with your thankfulness. Cast it on God. That's why you see people doing this in worship sometimes. (laughs) Just throw it. Throw it. You got to throw your thanks at God. Confess what he's done. Confess who he is. Give thanks to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Next word is tauda. Anybody want to say it? Tauda. I don't know much Hebrew. (laughs) Tauda means extension of the hand. Offering of thanks and of adoration. It's similar to the last word, which I don't even remember how to say it without it in front of me. But whatever the last word was, it's similar to that one, but it adds this extension of the hand. Lifting your hands in praise and thanks and adoration. It's similar to, to Yada. There it is. I had it in front of me. Extending your hand. Psalm 100, verse 4. It says this, a famous verse about worship. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Enter his courts with praise. When you lift your hands, it's the international sign of surrender, right? We lift our hands for all kinds of things in life. and I'm not saying we shouldn't. You know, We lift our hands for LeBron and Oladipo and luck and... The raise that we got, and that's all awesome, and we should, but should, can we lift our praise for the king of kings? Enter his courts with thanksgiving. Enter his gates with some praise. Throw your hands up and praise the Lord. See, sometimes sometimes we're fighting against things. We're, we're fighting things in our life, and we're trying to beat it with our effort. We're trying to beat it with anything we can muster up. And sometimes the victory we're looking for is actually found in our praise. So good. Amen. Sometimes, I'm not saying this for everything, all the time, there's a time to fight. How many of you know there's a time to fight? There's a time to push. There's a time to keep praying hard. There's a, there's a time to lean in, and there's also a time to just surrender. Yes. What I'm trying to say is sometimes we spend a lot of our time like over here fighting this thing. And we're going after it. And we're, we're laser focused on this thing. And we're looking at that discouragement. And we're trying to fight it back. And, and, and we're looking at that sin. And we're trying to fight it back. And we're looking at that temptation. And we're trying to conquer it. And we're fighting. And we're pushing. And we're, we're, we got white knuckles trying to say, I'm going to hold on to my righteousness. I do believe. And we're going after this thing. And sometimes it's time to stop picking that fight with your, with your fists up. And it's time to turn around and throw your hands up and come into the courts of the king. And sometimes there's a victory that gets won not by trying to fight for it, but by surrendering to the victory that's already been won. Sometimes there's some effort that you've got to surrender. Sometimes there's some push you've got to surrender. Sometimes there's some pride you've got to surrender. Sometimes we're focusing so hard on the thing we're fighting that we forget about the thing that beat it. And we've got to enter into his courts with some praise. Praise. Throw your hands up and praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that he's victorious in this situation. It might not change it yet, but he's still victorious. Thank God that he's victorious over this temptation. You may still be feeling pulled towards it, but it can't beat you because you've got Jesus. Thank God that he's victorious over sin, that you feel like it just keeps trying to define you and keeps trying to tell you who you are, and you keep even screwing up and giving it reasons to tell you that that's who you are. But praise God in his courts that he's victorious over everything. You've got a weapon called praise. Throw your hands up and surrender. Enter his courts with thanksgiving and his gates with praise. Next word is shabak. That's my favorite one. Shabak. I don't know why I like it, but I do. Maybe we'll take a vote after for which one is your favorite sounding. Shabak is a very dictionary sounding definition that I saw, to address in a loud tone. And I think that sounds very much like a dictionary. What it's trying to say is shout and yell and glorify and triumph and praise the Lord. Shout, yell, praise. Sometimes we come to church and we address the Lord. (laughs) In a loud tone. Praise the Lord, brother. God's been good. Yes. All the time, God is good. Sometimes we need to shout, God's been good. And we need to be a little bit less embarrassed about when we're testifying to the goodness of God. Sometimes I got something to shout about. Sometimes God's just been that good. Sometimes he's better than Steph Curry hitting a game winner. Sometimes. And I love when Steph Curry hits a game winner. I'm all for it. But i got to shout to praise the God. Shabbat! Who's going to shout that next week during worship? Be the weird one, right? (laughs) Psalm 63, verses 1 through 3. I'll turn to it this time. We're going to be here for this word and the next word. Made it simple. We kept us in the same psalm for this one. Just looking out for you. Psalm 63, one through three, O God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water, so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. My lips will shabak, my lips will shout, my lips will yell, my lips will glorify and triumph that God has been good and his steadfast love has been found in my life. I will praise the Lord. My lips, these ones right here, I can say a lot of things. I can complain about a lot of things. I can talk bad about a lot of things. I can say a few things. I can get distracted by some things. But there was also gonna be some times where these lips praise the Lord. And I yell about the things God has done. And I yell about the things that God has shown himself faithful in. Sometimes we gotta discipline our lips a little bit, right? And again, I'm not saying the negative thing didn't happen. I'm just saying there's always time to shabak. There's always time. Your lips aren't in charge. You can tell them what to shout about. And sometimes we got to shout about the goodness of God. I love this. David, he's, he's going through these, verse, these verses. He's saying, God, I, I want you. I'm thirsty for you. I'm I'm hungry for you. My my soul is thirsty. My flesh is fainting for you. It's like I'm in a land that's got nothing else. It's got no water. That's how thirsty I am for you. And sometimes you're here in life and you you feel like you're looking for God and you don't know if you can find it. And David's remembering a time where he was just like, God, I don't know if it's going to work out. I don't know if I can find you. I don't even know if you're here, but I've come into your presence and I've looked on you in the sanctuary. So I, I didn't know where else to go, so I came into the house of God, and, and I saw your power, and I saw your glory. There were some things that I had. I didn't even know if you'd welcome me back in here, but you welcomed me back into the sanctuary. And when you, when, when you took those things off of me, I saw your power, and I saw your glory. And when I didn't know what I was going to find if I came back into the presence of God, I found the steadfast love of God. I found the steadfast love of God. And because when I was thirsty, you came to me. Because when I was hungry, you came to me. Because when I had some baggage, you took it off of me. Because when I came in and looked at you, all I saw was power and glory. Because of that, I'm going to praise you. These lips will praise the Lord. I'm going to praise God. Here in your presence, these lips will praise God. I know that we're in the middle of a sermon and you're supposed to be quiet during these times. But sometimes it's just worth giving God a shabak. Like if you've ever found the presence of God to be better than anything else you've ever chased. You know, like if you've you've ever found God to be more steadfast than any other thing that promised you love along the way and it came up dry at some point. If you've ever found God's love went farther than you thought it would, sometimes it's worth just praising God and shouting for God. Sometimes sometimes we've chased some things because we believe they had what we were looking for. We chased some things because we knew what God was telling us to go after, but there was something else that we really thought was going to work and turns out it didn't. And we didn't know if we could come back. And God threw open the doors. And he just said, just throw up your hands and enter into my courts with praise. And you came in and you found a love that was so steadfast, all you can do is shout about it sometimes. Sometimes God just needs a shabak from his people. Sometimes we just got to shout and tell our lips to praise the Lord. We've got a weapon and it's your shout. What are you shouting about? What are you shouting about? You can shout about your pain, and it's real. You can shout about the discouragement, and it's real. You can shout about the problems, and it's real. And you can shout about the goodness of God. You can shout about the victory of God. You can go to war with your praise. Next word is Barack. It's got nothing to do with Obama, so don't get excited or mad, whichever one you land on. Just move on. This means to kneel down in adoration, means to bless, to kneel down or to bless. In Psalm 63, after those three verses we just read, so in verse three, David says, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will shout. I will praise you. And then in verse four, he says, so I will bless you. As long as I live in your name, I will lift up my hands. Barack talks about kneeling before the Lord. Blessing the Lord. So you kneel when you want to serve something or when you're overwhelmed by something. And a few weeks ago, we went through the first four of the Ten Commandments and talked about how there's so many things in our lives trying to pull us so many different ways, trying to get us to serve so many different things, into so many different agendas, into so many different kingdoms, into so many different goals or rules, trying to pull our bended knee in so many different directions. And your battle isn't to fight against every one of those things. Your battle isn't to fight against every temptation. Your battle isn't to fight against every God that tries to pull you. The fight isn't to try to fight against every single distraction. Because if you spend your whole life trying to fight against every single one of these little things, you're going to wear yourself out. At some point, you're going to miss one, and you're going to take a hit. Instead of trying to not kneel towards everything else, just Give everything you've got to one single focus. That's right. I bless you, Lord. I bow to Jesus. It's a lot easier to focus on one thing than everything. And there's a war over your attention. There's a war over your energy. There's a war over your courage. Just bend your knee to the one who's already beat every single one of those things. You just bow your knee to Jesus. I'm thankful that my God is the King of Kings. I'm thankful that I can kneel before Jesus. Such a powerful, powerful weapon in your life in the middle of everything to just confess, Lord, I serve you. I serve the things of Jesus. I want to be a part of your kingdom, Lord. Help me understand. What's up, what's down, which way is left, which way is right right now? Anybody? But God just let's go, let's go one way, let's go here. You kneel to what you serve, and you kneel when you're overwhelmed. The context of this verse, like we just read, David was hungry. David was thirsty. And when he came into the presence of God, he found a steadfast love that was better than life. And the first thing he wanted to do is shout. This is amazing! And all of a sudden it hits him. And he's like, Oh my gosh. This, this love is better, is, is better than life, and it's overwhelming. Where else could I go? I'm overwhelmed. You've got a weapon called praise. You've got a weapon called praise. And the last word we're talking about this morning is the word zamar. Starts with a Z, so I like that one too. Zamar it means to sing praise or to make music. Psalm 9, verse 11 says this, Sing praises to the Lord who sits enthroned in Zion. Tell among the peoples his deeds. Sing praises to the Lord. I don't know if you noticed, but it took us getting through six other words to get to the one that was about music. And I hope that you get this morning that worship isn't just music. Worship isn't just music. And and I want you to know that That music isn't just music either. Worship isn't just music and music isn't just music either. So many times our music is our worship and the music is powerful. There's a war over your mind and so many times the music that you're listening to is in the battlefield of it. Music is one of the greatest weapons in the battlefield over your mind. And if there's, I, I just want to put some faith in somebody that if you want to tear down some strongholds in your life, some things that you can't seem to get past, a lot of times you really can genuinely start with your music. What are you singing about? What are you declaring to the people? What What are your speakers declaring to the nations of the earth? What is your song speaking to your mind? What are you listening to? What's looping in your head all day long? I'm not standing up here telling you you can only listen to this and you can't listen to that. Like, I am not interested in that. And clarifying all that, you do you. You do what you're good doing. All I'm saying is that it matters what's looping through your head. And if you're struggling with some anger, listening to songs about people shooting people is not going to help you. If you're struggling with like wanting to just check out from life and you're feeling apathetic and like listening to songs about drugs and piecing out, like it's not going to help you out. If you're struggling with sexual purity, sexual identity, sexual wholeness, like and you're just listening to songs all day about what people should be doing to you and what you should be doing to people, no matter who they are and what position and how they should ought to be and all these kinds of things, like it's not going to help you. It matters what's looping in your head. You do you. I'm just saying. You don't know anything to me. I'm just saying there's a war over your mind. And music isn't just music. If you're going to listen to something, if you're going to sing about something, if you're going to dance about something, why not let it be something that's going to break your chains instead of remind you about them? When you praise, when praise is looping in your head, you're winning battles you don't even know you're fighting. Music isn't just music, and like I said, worship is not just music. Worship isn't just music. You aren't disqualified from being a worshiper just because you don't have a good singing voice, or you can't play an instrument. In fact, Chad, come on up here. Anybody love Chad Hockett? Man of God, why don't you stand over here for a second? Why don't you take your guitar off for a second? When it comes to worship, you've actually got a whole lot more in common with this guitar than you do with Chad. See, we think, when we think we, we need to be a good worshiper, we start th- thinking about the Chad Hockets, the people on stage that sound good and play good and do all these kinds of things, and you watch them, there having fun, and you're like, how are you not so locked in focused? Like, that looks so hard, you know? You think you ought to be a good worshiper to be up on a stage, but A lot of times you and your life actually look a whole lot more like this guitar than the people that are up here on the stage. Like what I mean is you look back on your life. When you look at how things have gone, you know, you you had this perfect box and everything was going to fit into, but there's been some curves and some turns along the way. And and everything hasn't turned the corner right when you thought it was going to turn the corner the way you thought it was going to. There's been some challenges along the way, some things that came unexpected. There's some parts of your life that were were bigger and wider and better than you thought, and there were some that were a lot skinnier and more narrow than you thought that they were going to be. There's some parts that were shorter. There's some parts that were longer. There's some milestones along the way Some you expected, some you didn't. Your life starts looking a whole lot more like this guitar. And most people, you know, they look at this guitar and they say, wow, that's a really nice guitar. I mean, it's a Gibson. Like, if you know anything about guitars, it's nice. It's beautiful. I think it's a beautiful guitar. It sounds great. You like how it sounds? (laughs) Most people, you know, you look at this guitar and most people look at you and they're like, man, you're amazing. All you see is a big hole right in the middle. And you've prayed and you've asked God. You've said, God, I, I want I to put my life in your hands. Go ahead and put it on. You say, okay, God, I'm gonna surrender my life to you. And uh, I, I've been through all this stuff, so so put me in your hands and, and use me for what you want to use me for. And you thought it was gonna go one way, but then it hasn't exactly been like you thought it was gonna be. Like there's been some things in your life since you put your hand, your life in the hands of God that have caused some tension. Some things got loose that you were holding on tight to. Some things got tighter that you were hoping would loosen up. Since you started following Jesus, there's been some, some things that have been in your life that have started pushing up against you, putting some pressure, putting some pressure on you in some different places that you weren't expecting. It started pushing you. And, and then there's been some things in your life that, even because you were following Jesus, you've been taking some hits along the way. You've taken some hits along the way. been struck by some things and it hasn't made sense to you, but you need to know this morning God's been making a sound out of you. See, all these instruments that David talked about, all these instruments that David played, he he was just imitating God all along the way. Any musician, they're just imitating God all along the way because any instrument that they could play has to first be made and then anything to make it sound it's got to first be breathed into or or, or hit with the human hand. And, And when God wanted to make the universe. He just started speaking to things. Let there be light. Let there be water. Let there be all these animals until it came to you. When he came up on the dust and he bent down and he put his hands and he formed you out of the dust and he breathed life into you. See, Rebecca, come on up here. See, often... What I want us to understand is that we try to compare ourselves to Rebecca as a worshiper. That girl can sing. She gets after it. But you're actually a lot like this microphone right here. You're a lot like this microphone. You're you're, you're made for sound. You're equipped for sound. You've got everything in you that you need for a sound. There's worship inside of you. And just like this microphone, when you put it into a hand of a musician, when you put your life into the hand of the one who created you. And when a musician breathes over a microphone. When you let God breathe into your life, you make a sound. This is how I find my battles. This is how I find my battles. There's worship in you. This is how I fight my battles. You're an instrument of worship. This is how you are an instrument of worship. This is how I fight my and when you battles. worship, you become an instrument this of war. You're not just a person walking around. You don't just need to to, to play up here. You just need to let God touch your life. You need to let the breath of God into your life. You need to let worship arise in your life. The worship inside of you fights the war you're trying to fight. You're an instrument of war. Maybe you're here this morning and you thought walking with God, you thought life with God was gonna look a certain way, it was gonna go a certain way, and right now you feel like you're just kind of strung out in the dust. There's no rivers, there's no feast. there's no nothing, it's just like desert, wilderness, and dust. I want you to know this morning that dust, the dust in your life, it may not be pleasant, but it's full of potential. It's full of potential because dust is God's canvas. And you don't feel like you have what you need in your life right now, Because God's trying to do a new thing. And the old thing you had, the old thing you experienced, it's not going to take you to the new places God wants wants to take you. And so, yes, you're in the dust, but you're there on purpose. You're there in the dust on purpose, and you're in the prime real estate for the touch of God. God's creating something new in you. God's creating something new in you. God's creating something new in you. God wants to breathe fresh life into you. God is doing a new thing. And if that's you this morning, I believe the word of the Lord over your life is out of Isaiah 40. If you're in the dust, if you're in the desert, if you're in the wilderness, if you're in the wilderness this morning, then in the wilderness, prepare a way for the Lord. If you're in a desert, then make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Because every Valley will be lifted up. Every mountain and hill will be made low. All the crooked places will be made straight. And the rough places will be made a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed in your life. And all flesh around you are going to see what God does in your life. Your family, your friends, the people who believe it, the people who don't. All flesh will see the glory of the Lord. It shall be revealed. And why? Because the mouth of the Lord has spoken. where you need to be. You're in the hands of God. God wants to breathe on you. And it is not just because you're an instrument of worship, it's because you're an instrument of war. And there's one more thing I want to tell you this morning before we finish. I want to just tell you really clearly why the devil hates you. Because that's who our war is against, right? He's trying to steal your worship. Why? Why does he hate you so much? It's not for your car. It's not for your clothes. It's not for your house. It's not for your job. It's because way back in the beginning, he was in charge of worship in heaven. But because sin and iniquity and evil was found in him, God fired him. And he hates you because you got the job. I said, you got the job. And God wants to give you seven weapons this morning to fight against the devil who's at war over your worship. Yes, he is fighting against you. Yes, it is hard sometimes because war feels like war. And in the middle of the war, you've got to worship. You've got to worship. Because you've got an enemy, but he's defeated. And you've got to be reminded. You've got to remind yourself. You've got to remind him. You've got to remind your circumstances. This worship, this is how I fight my battles. i got seven words for it. i got a whole body that can move in it. I've got a lifestyle that can proclaim it. I've got a testimony that can testify to it. This is how I fight my battles. I was wondering if you could stand up this morning and we could lift up a shout of praise for God tonight. I was wondering if we could praise God this morning. If we could just remind Him that we know that we're not just people of worship. Worship isn't just what we do on a Sunday morning. That God has made you an instrument of war need to sing over your battles this morning this right here, this praise, raising the hands, throwing thanks, being clamorously foolish, kneeling down shouting, praising, making songs and joyful noise, throwing up my hands, that's how I fight my battles if you're here this morning and you need something you need people to fight with you, look around and let these people fight with you if you need prayer this morning, we're going to have a few people out to the side. I'd love to pray with you. If you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus. Today is the day of your salvation. You need to let it all go. You need to throw up your hands and surrender. If you don't have all the answers, that's okay. I don't either. But today's the day to give your life to Jesus. Give your life to the one who is victorious over everything in your life. And we'll figure it out from here together. Jump into the people of God. Jump into the presence of God. Don't leave without doing what you need to do talk with the person who brought you. Go talk with somebody out to the side. But today is the day of salvation for you. It's a simple decision. It's a simple surrender. Jesus. Jesus. Let me pray for us. And can we shout this morning? Can we praise as we close our time and walk out in victory? Lord, we love you. And we thank you, God. We receive that we are weapons of war. Lord, we are instruments of war this morning. We thank you for your victory. And we shout and praise in Jesus' name.